Father, we worship you. We thank you, God, that you welcome us into your presence. It's, that's so amazing. <laughs> the creator, God, just loves us, and we can just come to you as your children, and it's a delight to you. It's a delight to us as well. We thank you, God, that you've given us all we need for to live godly lives. We thank you, God, that you give us more than we can ever think or imagine. We thank you, God, that there's that you light up all the shadows, that you tear down all the lies, and that's an ongoing process, and I thank you so much for that. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that really, that those verses were highlighted in that song to me, that um, there's no shadow he won't light up and no lie he won't tear down because, you know, there's the father of lies out there, and he is on the attack. And when we have circumstances, he wants to lie to us. You know, and I want to say that it's okay. I guess this is, I, I, I don't mean, I'm not a downer, but this is my life right now, so I'm speaking from it. When we have circumstances that are overwhelming and we maybe feel sad, we don't get our truth from that, right? We get our truth from God's word. And we don't fake it. We don't act, you know, we don't say platitudes or whatever. Um, God wants us to come to him like when you have a child that comes to you you don't say shame on you for being sad or you know whatever you don't do that and and uh, in religion it's shaming to have any feeling that isn't you know um so <laughs> so let's see i want to hello I love that we come and we sing these, um, these truth, these songs of truth. They just feed us. They feed our soul. They give us strength for the week. Um, and so I just want to read from James in case anybody besides me needs it. Fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. So, you know, most of us who've been around for a long time really hate that verse, but, <laughs> but it's, so, um, it's so encouraging. Um, so when you're going through it and the lies are coming, do not get your truth from that. And don't despise this verse because it, it is true and it's given us hope. So I have a lot of hope. <laughs> so does anyone else have a word for the body today? Hi, family. Um, I was really thinking this morning, um, and I have this poster um, that it's actually a picture I took in Silverdale. That's an actual picture off my phone. And um, it's abiding in, under his wing. But I was thinking as Bonnie was bringing this today, and I don't know why the Lord prompted me to bring this picture, but it's obvious. As Bonnie, as Bonnie was saying, when these things happen to us, we're in pain, um, and we don't have to live there. That's not where we live, because that's where there's despair. That's where there's no hope. Um, that's where there's fear and anxiety. We can live there. 
under the wings. That's where we find our hope. That's where we find our peace. That's where we find our comfort, our counsel. And he stays with us. So we can choose to live here or we can choose to live here. And he is with us daily. We have but just to call on him and come into his presence. Come give us a blessing. (laughs) Good morning, kings and priests. You knew I was going to say that. (laughs) I just want to talk about um, kings and priests. You know, it's like you said, you know, we're, the Lord said, Paul said that we're in a race. Run the race to win. See? Ready to race. (laughs) So sometimes, while we're running the race, even though it looks like we've got a long ways to go, in the Lord's world, we've already won that race. We've won that crown because we're in him. So if you find yourself running that race and you get tired, because we all get tired, it's just the nature of things. You know, we, we live on a world that's, that's not in good shape. But speak over yourself. Start start. There's something as kings and priests when we agree with the word of God and we speak that over ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, start, you know, if go online, find something that, that agrees with the word of God, a declaration, change it for what you need it to, you know, what you want to cover, and start speaking that over yourself, over your spouse, your kids, you know, your family. We speak it over our church. Um, start speaking the word of God because when we start speaking and agreeing with the word of God, when those words come out of our mouth, there's, there's something powerful there. And it's the kind of power that when Jesus died on the cross, it shook the world and turned the sky black at noonday. I mean, it wasn't just a little, a little shaker. It was huge. It was so huge that the Roman guard said, surely this man was the son of God. So you know, it wasn't a little one. It was a big one. They thought the earth was coming apart. And this is the same kind of power that God gives us when we speak these things, when we agree with the word of God. And I'm not saying, you know, don't speak bad things of yourself because that could happen because, you know, God's grace is there. His grace covers us. It says there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's us. We are in Christ Jesus. But line up your words with what you want to see in your world. Wow. (laughs) That was good. She has to agree with me. (laughs) I think I'll just go sit down. (laughs) Uh, No, what I was going to say was, uh, it's just, so here I'm in my car, um, I'm driving, I gotta go to the gas station, and, um, and I'm like, oh Lord, you're so good, you know, I love your presence, you're so wonderful. And then I pull in the gas station, and there's some panhandlers there. And I'm like, hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, you know, where did this come from? You know, automatically, you know, I'm judgmental, and I'm like, that girl needs some help. I'm not going to give her any money. And, and, and again, as always, the Lord's like, I love her. She's beautiful, and she just doesn't know it. And I have a, a future and a hope for her. 
And, oh, my goodness. So then it's like you're, for me, I'm like, oh, okay, here it was just this beautiful moment, you know, praise and worship. And then this next moment, I'm all of a sudden judgmental. And, um, you know, the Lord was just very gracious. He said, I just want you to take this moment to forgive yourself. And it's in the forgiving, for me, I found that it's in the forgiving of myself is where um, if I don't let go of that, that's where the enemy gets a, a stronghold or a foothold. And he, he just made it clear that, you know, yeah, you recognize when you're judgmental. You recognize when you're short with others. He says, but it's in forgiving yourself is where that's where the work is because um, don't give place to the enemy. So that was it. That is all. <laughs> yeah, I find that my, my spirit and my flesh are often at odds and in conflict. Uh, but one thing I really enjoy is when I'm sleeping, I'll wake up and there'll be a, a worship song in my mind. And when I wake up in the morning, there's a worship song. So I know my spirit is strong. So that, that encourages me. Is there anyone else who? Oh, come on, Connie. I'm done. That was it. That's all I had to say. So when I came in, I, w I heard a voice which, you know, you guys admit, you hear voices too, right? <laughs> so I thought it was for um, Bonnie and, oh, I just did it, Lynette. But I think it's for all of us. And it was like, um, good morning, beloved. I thought, okay, so good morning, beloved. Warriors, endurers, you're more than capable and you are the apple of my eye. I just felt like such a strong exuberance from the Father to just say, keep on warring, you're winning. And there's some of us here that life kind of is crappy right now. It's a, it's a crappy season and maybe it's been a long crappy season. But he sees us as enduring warriors, more than capable. So what he gave me was Jeremiah 20, 29, 11, which is my life verse, will always be mine, but I'll share it with you, because that's just who I am. But it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is a hearty, heart group of people. These are prayer, you guys are, were, were prayer warriors. It's how we were created. I will gather you, actually I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. And some of us feel like our families have been held captive. Mine has been. I have been. And he's saying, mm -mm, that's not the end of the story. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. It, it brings back the word that we got a little while ago from the Lord that says, are you captured or are you captivated? That's a big promise. We are so captured and captivated by the Holy Spirit because he lives and resides in us. But there's hope. There's just so much hope. And when I start leaning on my own understanding and feel like, 
oh God, <laughs> another day. And he goes, you're an enduring people. You're an enduring nation. You can do this and you're getting stronger by each thing that is put before you. And there will be healing in your families because you're strong warriors and you declare it and you decree it. And I just feel like there's such a strong anointing on this group for that that we're so much stronger and more enduring than we even know because we've been put through the process of life. We're just more than able. We're more than conquerors. And that should just be the end of this. Shut me up. That's right. That's right. Enough said, right? <laughs> I'll do, no, just get you away from the speaker. It's good. <laughs> So this morning during worship, <clears throat> I saw angels worshiping with us this morning. It was pretty amazing. Something that stood out to me, we were listening to Graham Cook, and I think this is fitting for today, is if we're walking in fear, we need to realize sometimes that there is a time when you need to stop asking for your needs and start walking in your identity and your inheritance. And it's hard sometimes when we're in the middle of a struggle to actually do that, but I feel like sometimes that's your way out. You walk in who God made you. Just because you're going through bad times doesn't change who God made you to be or who you are. There might be seasons where we need to sit quiet for a little bit, but sometimes there's a season where we need to say, you know what, yeah, life sucks, but guess what, I'm moving forward, and I'm stepping into what God has for me. And sometimes that's when we will see our breakthrough. Yeah, I can't remember if it's Graham <clears throat> Cook, but it's, it's true, the Bible says, you know, all of God's promises are yes and amen. And every promise he's given to each one of us, beginning at your salvation, Every promise, every prophetic word that's been spoken to you, everything that the Bible tells you is your inheritance in Christ comes with a guarantee. It comes with a provision packet. The supply is there. Now, we, we do need to pull on heaven. It, it's, I guess what I feel like what Tammy's sharing is it's more not begging God to give us something that we already know he wants to give us. It's more stepping into his provision and faith and pulling and accessing what he's already given us. It's just a shift of perspective. Instead of approaching God as beggars, we approach him as sons and daughters who know he's a good God. We, we, yeah, we approach him with confidence. We know that he's faithful, he's true. And he's, he has good things for us. And he has provision for every promise. There's provision in the promises. So I was just feeling like while we were worshiping, I, I could see the Lord. And I feel like, I feel like I saw him, this is subjective. I don't know why I said, I need to clarify that. This is also, it's the stuff we all see in here, it's always subjective. I don't need to say that probably, but for the record. Um, but I was seeing, I, I saw our king, I saw Jesus, he is a mighty warrior, and he was standing, he is standing in the midst of us right now, 
and he was in the midst of our worship because I said, Lord, I want to see what, what are you doing right now? I thought for a minute, I should ask. I should ask. And I, I felt like I could see him standing, and he was just like a proud, triumphant warrior just standing in the midst of his brothers and sisters because that's what the book of Hebrews chapter 2 says. He's not ashamed to call you brothers and sisters. He was standing and is standing in our midst, and we all were dressed in warrior outfits too, so it's kind of a fitting message this morning. You know, we are an army. We are kings and priests. We are also a royal army. We are warriors. You know, the psalm, I think I might even have it open. I think it's Psalm 144. I was looking it up with Dave earlier. You know, it says, uh, Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. He's my mighty God. Um, anyway, that's, that wasn't what I was actually pulled up. Oh, there's a picture of sushi. Hmm. So in that picture, I just, I saw the Lord, and he, I just feel, I felt his delight over us, which is a no-brainer. I don't think he's ever going to change his mind. I don't think he regrets the day he called you to come to himself. He knew what he was doing when he drew you with his cords of love. He knew what he was doing when he said, daughter, 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 daughter. There's a lot of daughters in here. Son, son. You know, the rest of you, you know who you are, sons and daughters. He did not make a mistake. There's no accidents in the kingdom. He chose you. Before the foundations of the world, he chose you to be his very own. He chose you that you would be adopted into his family and you would walk in his royal identity that he has for you. He chose you. You might think, yeah, I chose Jesus, but he chose you first. And he loves you so much with an everlasting, undying, fierce love. Reckless love. Let's just throw that word out there. Some people are struggling with that these days. Is it really reckless? I don't know. Paul said when he prayed for the Ephesians, if you could just grasp, I'm praying that you would just be able to get a glimpse of how high and how wide and how long and deep is the love of God that he has for you in Christ Jesus, and that you would be firmly rooted and established in that love. It's amazingly huge, and we have barely begun to tap into it. But in that place of worship this morning, I saw Jesus, and I felt his delight over us, our mighty warrior. I believe he's just warring on our behalf, because that's who he is. And... Um, Oh, yeah, we were singing fountains. All my fountains were in you. And this is kind of weird. You know, I just saw, I saw like, you know, when in the summertime, kids, when the sprinklers are going and there's like water whizzing around from some of those crazy sprinklers, you know, they do patterns and stuff. And it casts the rainbow kind of effect with the mist, you know. But it was something way more awesome than that that I was getting a glimpse of. But I felt like he was saying, you have no idea just how beautiful my kingdom is but press in because he has these fountains. He has refreshing fountains for us to drink from. He is our fountain. So I pulled this psalm up. It says, your love, so I'm just going to talk to Jesus right now. If you close your eyes if you want, but you don't have to. So your love, Lord Jesus, reaches to the heavens. 
That, that is high. Your love, Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the highest mountains. Your justice is like the great deep. You, Lord, preserve both people and animals. So if you have a sick animal, just declare that over him right now. How priceless is your unfailing love, O God. People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. (laughs) People take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. I just declare abundance. The abundance, the abundanza, is that how we say it in Italian? The abundance of his house is yours. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. God is so good. He has a river for us to drink from. You you give us drink from your river of delights. It's a joyous, delightful river. So when I was seeing that, then it went from sprinklers and stuff to just a waterfall. And I felt like he was just saying, I'm pouring out right now over my church. And I felt like as I would plan to share that picture with you guys that we could just take a moment. Let's just do a little body ministry if we can. If you guys want to just do something, let's, I'd like to make some declarations over us. And I, I would like, don't worry, Isabel, it's not on your slides. Um, I'd like you to maybe repeat after me. Let's just do this. If you want to close your eyes, you don't have to, but you can. It might help. And just lay your hands on your chest. <clears throat> so this isn't, this isn't just for Josh, okay? But Josh, you know, we, we definitely want to declare over your lungs a more healing. But I want to pray this over all of us. So in this season, as we move into the fall time, we just come before you, Jesus, and we thank you for your provision. We thank you, as the psalm says in 103, it says, uh, praise, be, uh, praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who heals all your disease. So, Lord, this morning we declare over our lungs perfect kingdom health. And we breathe in this morning the life of King Jesus. We breathe in, Holy Spirit, would you come like a vaccination and protect everybody in this room with kingdom health from the onslaught of flu virus and all the garbage that seems to fill the air when everyone goes back to school. We just declare over this church, over our lungs, your perfect health. We declare life. Father, this morning, and you could just say this over yourself, just declare life, life in Jesus' name. We declare reconciliation in Jesus' name. We declare peace, the shalom of heaven, in Jesus' name, over our lives, over our families. Let the peace of God be like an umbrella, the shalom of heaven, 
opened up like an umbrella, like a tent over our houses, over our homes. We declare joy that we would drink from the river of delights daily, that we would find in you, Jesus, our refuge, that we would come and we would just hunker down under the shadow of your wings. We would just come and find refreshing and delight in the shade of your branches. You are our dwelling place. You are our place of rest. And we soak in your presence, Lord. We soak in your protection and your comfort and your goodness. You are a mighty God. And we thank you for your faithfulness. Your faithfulness that the word says here is like the highest mountains. You can open your eyes. Don't fall asleep. (laughs) So I just, there's that sushi picture again. I'll just get rid of the photos real quick. I felt like as I was seeing that this morning, well, what just happened there? Maybe some of you guys know um, when Jesus, we read about Jesus in John chapter 7, and he was at the Feast of Tabernacles. And during that feast, you can do a little research on your own. During that feast, it's the only feast of the Jews where they would take these large vats of water and they would pour the water all over the altar. Now just kind of picture it for a second. Just this water that was kind of like holy water, you know, in the Catholic Church. It's been prayed over. It's been, it's been set apart. It's been blessed. I mean, they wouldn't pour just tap water all over the altar. That altar was a very sacred place where the presence of God would manifest to the people of Israel. But they, at the end of this feast, they would take those big vats of water and begin to just pour. I mean, just picture all that clean, pure water just washing over the altar, running down the steps, running towards the people's feet. I mean, this was, these were large vats of water. I don't think they were just pouring a little cup. You can research it yourself and read exactly how the Feast of Tabernacles went. But this is what Jesus said when this was happening. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All you who are thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from you, from within you, flowing out from your innermost being, just like the scripture says. The moment, I believe, the moment they were pouring the water on the altar, this is when Jesus stood up. I could be wrong, but I'm going to just take liberty and and believe that that's just how he is. That's who he is. He would have timed it just right because everything that Jesus did was a fulfillment of all of those types and shadows that all of the feasts that the Jews celebrated up until his coming would be fulfilled in him. But that's who our Jesus is. He has rivers of delight, rivers of water for us to drink in. So, Let's see, for time's sake. I would like you, Isabel, to jump all the way down, not to the 
declarations, but right before the declarations, there's the Second Chronicles 16.9. So I had a, a little encounter with the Lord the other day. And like I said before, you guys can, it's subjective. It was just me. Could have been the pizza I ate the night before. I don't know. <laughs> but I was in my car. I was worshiping. I was getting ready to go into the station. It's been really great taking Emily to school in the morning because then it gives me a whole hour just to soak in the car and just read and soak. And this is my pattern. I like to, I like to worship a bit. And then I'll just, I'll just kind of, while the music's still going, I'll, I'll just read some, maybe some scripture or I'll read a couple paragraphs of a book that's just really feeding my soul. And I'll go back into worship and then I'll kind of maybe read that paragraph again. I'll just kind of marinate in, in the stuff that it's like a feast. You know, he's, he's welcomed us to a banquet table and you can just take from that plate and that platter and you could pour some from that pitcher and just feed yourself, nourish yourself. It may be just the water of the word that you want that morning. No music, no nothing, whatever it is. But in that, in that moment, I saw something, and I'll just describe to you guys what I saw, and I think I have a little bit of notes to remind myself what it was. So I kind of had a momentary glimpse of my rib cage, so I knew that this was, he was showing me what's inside of me, Okay. Now, the Bible tells us that, that I am and you are, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that it's Christ in me, the hope of glory. So he, he lives inside of me. In fact, if, if you do not have Jesus living inside of you, if you have not received him and, that he, and if he has not come to live inside of you and abide in you, then the Bible says in Romans 8 that you don't belong to Jesus. So... If you've received him, then he's come and he's made a habitation within you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And just as Jesus stood up in that temple, I know I'm moving away from what I was going to tell you guys, but just as Jesus stood up in the temple on the last day of the feast and shouted out, come to him, all you who are thirsty, and drink, and out of your innermost being rivers of living water will flow, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit now. And out of you, rivers of living water flow. You carry the Ark of the Covenant, so to speak, within you. So Jesus resides inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit. I know I'm talking to the choir here, but I think some of these, especially these young ones, will need to hear this. Some of us old ones, too. We may forget just who it is that we carry around. It's easy to go throughout your day, as Sharon was experiencing, pulling up to the gas station, Enjoying the presence of God all around her, but maybe, maybe you just forgot, oh, like I'm, you're inside of me and you want to get out. I don't know. So anyway, I was having this encounter. I saw my ribs, so I knew it was inside of me, and I felt like the Lord just kind of transported my, my visual inside of my head with my eyes closed, like the screen lit up, and I saw him sitting in a, kind of looked like a library, I guess, and what did he say to me? I felt, I'll just try to remember. I may get it wrong, but I felt like he said to me, um, come on in, I've been waiting for you. I think I have it here somewhere. No, maybe not. So 
I just was having fun with his presence, in his presence. I just had fun. I was like, okay. And I came on in, and I felt like I could see him looking. It wasn't a globe. It wasn't like the old dude in the library smoking a pipe with a globe next to him. It was a little more high-tech than that. I can't really describe it, but it was like I could see the surface of the earth right next to him, and he was zooming in and out and in and out. And this scripture came to mind. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, The Lord's eyes keep on roaming throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts completely belong to him so that he may strongly support them. So at that moment, I realized, and I felt like he was showing me that even though I'm having an intimate moment with him, and, and he told me, he let me know that this is okay, that I can come here anytime and be intimate with him, and if I want to pop out and take notes and read something, he says it, he's, he basically tells us, it's okay to come back to this place. Guys, it's okay just to go back into that secret place with the Lord. He will always be there waiting. And I felt like he told me that he never gets lonely, so don't worry, you're not going to leave Jesus all alone in a room until the dust builds up, and then you come back here like, sorry, it's been a week or two. You know, I felt like he was saying I could come back, like it's okay. He never gets lonely. In fact, he's never alone, and you and I are never alone. His eyes, just like a magnifying glass, the eyes of the Lord are looking back and forth throughout the earth, and he strongly supports those whose hearts are completely his. If you belong to Jesus, if you've surrendered your life to him, he is watching over you. He's living inside of you and he's looking over you. He is guarding and watching you with his life, with his protection, with his eye. His eye is on you. We are not alone. Now, maybe if I started to think about that more while I'm standing here in front of you guys, maybe the preaching would get better <laughs> because he's here right now and he's watching us. So the question is, what do you want to do, Lord? What are you saying? What do you, how do you feel about us? And so far I know that he loves you and he loves me. He loves us so much that his favor is over our lives. So when I saw that going in and out and looking over, over the, the planet, and I, I saw different scenes of him um, being surrounded by worshipers, kind of like this morning, just him worship, being worshipped and adored by the people of God, by his, his family. And uh, just that scripture, you know, just to know that his eyes are on us, his eyes are watching over us, and he's... He's sending us out to pull people into his story. Something wonderful happened when you and I became Christians. We're going to go to the top of the list, um, but don't pop anything up yet. I think it's a picture, right? Yeah, okay. So something wonderful happened to us when you got saved. You didn't just get a ticket to hold on to that said, hold on to this because this will get you to heaven. 
It wasn't just a little bit of lipstick on a pig. It wasn't just the propping up of a dead person. See, God's, God's plan wasn't just to bring you into his kingdom and take you who you were before and just fix you up. You can go ahead and put that picture, but it's kind of fun. So we should probably watch this, well, maybe without the kids first to make sure there's nothing bad in it. And then if it's okay to watch it with the kids, because the weekend at Bernie's is where these two guys carry around this dead guy everywhere they go, and they prop him up, and they make everyone think he's alive. They take him to parties and stuff. You guys all seen it? I don't even remember anything about it, other than it was kind of creepy and gross. But the reality is that when you and I came to Jesus, this, this is not the picture that he wants for us. He did not save you and give the Holy Spirit to you so that you could just prop up a dead man. You, if you are in Christ, you are dead. You are a dead person. Yes, this is the land of the living dead right here. So let's, let's fix this because I'm botching this up, I think. Let's go ahead and put the next verse up that goes with this. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. You and I, if you are a believer, you have become a new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. I like the Passion Translation, but I like it how I've memorized it in the other versions. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. There's been a transaction. There's been a, a shifting of your identity. You are no longer just you, who you were without Jesus, and then just adding a slice of Jesus to who you used to be. Your, your person of who you used to be is considered and reckoned as dead. You have been crucified with Christ. So let's go ahead and look at another scripture here. Galatians chapter 2. Wow, we got a lot to read here. But because the Messiah lives in me, I've now died to the law's dominion over me so that I can live for God. Just marinate on that for a minute. He did not save you into a relationship where now he expects you to whip yourself with the law, to constantly try to prop up the dead man with do's and don'ts. Does that mean you should just go ahead and live however you want? No. But the first half of the story is that dead man has been crucified, dead, and buried. And there is a new creation, a new man, a new man or a new woman that God has raised you up to become and walk in. And it is your new identity. And with that new identity, there are lots of promises. And God is focused on not the stuff that already got paid for on the cross, not the mistakes and the failures, but on the new life that he wants to see us walking in and released in our lives. I'll quit rambling. Let's just read the Bible. So the red part there. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah, and I no longer, not I no longer lives, <laughs> and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him, and now 
The essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. Do I have the pictures yet or did you have to pass them? Oh, let's go to the first one then. So we're not propping up the dead man. No, we're, we're a Tony Stark. <laughs> See, what God did was you died on the operating table, so to speak, when you came to Christ, and he put something new inside of you. I thought I'd just show you guys that picture just because it's a good illustration. You know, without a heart, you're, you're not alive. You cannot live. I know he looks like he's talking there, but what's the next picture? Pi- picture? Picture? Aha! See, this is what we get to do. We get to go around telling people, look who lives inside of me now. I have Jesus living and abiding within me. The life of Christ dwells within each one of us. The life of Jesus, he has put his spirit as a guarantee, as a deposit to live within you so that inside out he could do a reno job. And not only does he come to live inside of us, but he wants to clothe us with himself. Come on, keep it. we already read that, didn't we? Oh, we didn't? Okay, well, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. So not only have you died and Christ has come to live inside of you, but now your life is hidden inside of him. This is hard to wrap your mind around because if you're like me, you like to get a visual, you like to kind of picture what the scriptures are talking about. So Jesus came to live inside of me, but at the same time, I'm in him. I am totally wrapped up and enfolded in him, kind of like Tony Stark with the costume on. Aha! See, now this is the cool picture because that is how God sees us. Well, not quite like that, but you get the idea. You have received the power of the Holy Spirit. Kids, if you want to be a real-life superhero, tell Jesus, come and have your way. Come and fill my life with your presence. Come and live just like Iron Man has that thing inside of his chest. Come and live and dwell, King Jesus, on the throne of my heart. Come and establish your kingdom. Come and open up the inside of me so that I'm like a a well that just releases that river of living water. That 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 power of God, that, that living water would just pour out of who I am because you live inside of me. And he wants us to be able to walk in this identity where he has clothed us. And we can actually stick your hand out and release that kingdom life that's inside of you just like Iron Man. No laser beams, is that what you say? 
you know, I really don't know where to go from here because I think our time should be wrapping up. But I feel like we should just kind of wrap it up with one more verse. So we're going to bypass everything and go to the, the last two slides that are right above the second Chronicles. So the second, the, the first and second from the end there. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's the Philippians. Okay. So we're going to close with this. So that first part there is not a scripture. It's just a quote. And I don't remember who said it, but it's always stuck with me. And what you have been saved into is more important than what you've been saved out of. Forrest is like, I remember hearing that. It's one of those NCMI guys that said that. You know, our past, it doesn't matter what we've come out of. It doesn't matter. And I know this is kind of weird for kids because you guys have all grown up in Christian families. And so you haven't really known what the life before Christ is like. But it doesn't matter. Because what, what a person is saved into is more important and is so valuable and it goes beyond anything that we've been saved out of. My testimony of being a boogerhead kid that was into stuff, you know, into drugs and weird devil crap, you know, that is not my testimony. That's just stuff that I was doing because I was, you know, not smart. I was walking in darkness. I was blind, walking around like a blind man, falling and stepping into everything that was all around me, running into walls. But Jesus came and brought me out of that darkness, and he brought me into his wonderful light. And something changed. Something changed. The clouds began to, to go away. The fog was lifting out of my mind. I began to see and think more clearly. I began to recognize the reality of Jesus in my life. I began to hear his voice and fall in love with his word. I, I discovered that in the place of worship that I could sense the tangible presence of God, that he loved to come and pour himself over me when I was worshiping in that secret place. And even more when we're gathered in church gatherings, that he loves to just pour his presence out over over the congregation of worshipers, I fell in love with that Jesus, with that king, with that life, this new life. So what I've been saved into is way bigger and way more important than what I did before Christ. You do not have to. You guys are so blessed growing up in your houses because not everyone gets to grow up in the church like this, you guys where you have freedom and you get to experience the Holy Spirit in your own way and you don't have to have done all these things whatever they, you know, people have gone through, like Scott. You don't have to have done those things for it to matter. You just don't. You don't have to experience the world for your relationship with Christ to matter. That's really important because from our years of doing stuff in the church with youth ministry in the past, before we had kids, before we had you guys, 
you know, the testimony used to be the thing that, oh, you want to share your testimony. I mean, yes, it is a, it is a testimony of the power of God to take someone who was really stuck in icky darkness and actually transform their life. But the miracle of coming from darkness to light doesn't have to be one serious extreme to the next. It's just getting you from one to the other. It's just him rescuing you. Because once you're in Christ, we forget about the past. And that's basically what this scripture says. So my passion now and since that day is to be consumed with him, not clinging to my own righteousness based on keeping the written law. I just kind of wanted to weave in and out of this today. Your identity, but also this thing of trying to, trying to please God by fixing up the sinful nature, trying to prop up the dead man, trying to stop that habit and quit doing that. Jesus paid on the cross for your sins to be blotted out and for your old man, the old life apart from him, to be crucified. It is dead. And he no longer sees us according to our old nature anymore. He sees us according to the new nature. And that is what he's calling us to rise up into. So not clinging to my own righteousness. I don't need to worry about all of the do's and don'ts. My righteousness will be his based on the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, the very righteousness that comes from God. Everything we need, he has supplied. He has given you all the righteousness that you could ever need. And if you try to obtain righteousness on your own apart from Jesus, then you have stepped out of what he has done and you've basically said the cross was not enough but if the cross is enough let's just see what Paul says here I admit that I hadn't haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing but I run with passion into his abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. That would be a mistake. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I run. No, I forget all of the past as I fasten my heart to the future instead. I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Jesus is calling us to be continuously walking forward. The moment we begin to look back and we stare at our mistakes and we stare at our failures and we try to fix it, we try to prop up the things that are parts of, of the old nature that tend to try to resurrect themselves in our lives. Basically, it's just the habits of the dead man when we keep looking back at the mistakes, when the times that the dead man has reared his ugly head, then we get distracted at what Jesus is calling us into. He's basically saying, I took care of that. Yes, repent. Turn away from that and fix your eyes back on me. Fix your eyes back on the path, on the course that I've called you to walk on because he has given us his victory. He has given us his righteousness. We are his holy ones. 
So when we stumble and when we fall, we get back up and we stand in that identity of who he says we are. The enemy would love for us to find the first mistake we make as, as believers in Jesus and get caught up in our failure and start to find your identity in, in a sin. Sin happens. That could be a t-shirt too. Stuff happens. Sin happens. But shift happens too. And the shift is turning away from the things of the flesh and turning to the things of the spirit. It's putting off the old and putting on the new. God has an endless supply of that newness of life for us to continuously keep clothing ourselves in. He cares that we walk in our identity. He does not want us to be caught up and tripped up in the stuff that Jesus dealt with on the cross. It doesn't mean that we just give in to all the sin we want because it's been paid for. That would be trampling all over the blood of Christ. But when we recognize that Jesus paid that price for us and we see how powerful and how precious is his holy blood, that it actually blots out our sin and it credits righteousness, it clothes us with righteousness, holiness. His blood over us is a declaration that you are holy and set apart unto him. You belong to him. Your adoption paper was signed and sealed in blood with the promise of the Holy Spirit to guarantee it. So why don't we stand up? Because I'm rambling way too much here. I don't know if that was helpful. I hope it helped a little bit. I know it was a little bit all over. I just felt like I needed to go into this this morning. I wasn't sure how I would kind of weave in and out of these scriptures. But the thing that I feel so strongly is that God wants us to discover who he says we are. And he wants us to walk in it because it is who he's. It's more than just who he says you are because he's already said it and it is who you are. It's not just something God says, but when God speaks it over your life, it actually becomes your identity. You are a son or a daughter of God. It's not just when you declare it. Jesus chose you God chose you to be his. And he has life that he wants to fill you with. So let's just pray. I'll kind of try to pray a, a bow on the top of this messy cake that I just baked. Present I just wrapped. Put a bow on a present, not a cake. Cherry on the Sunday, something like that. Okay, let's put a cherry on the top here. Okay, so Jesus... King Jesus. God, I just pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts that we could see you and know you. Father, I pray that you would draw every one of us in this room into encounters and into intimacy with you. God, I pray that we would we would get rid of that we would drop off every weight, every lie, every hindrance 
that would keep us from running boldly into your presence. I thank you, Jesus, that you're always, you're always available for us, that you're always ready. You're never alone, and we are always welcome back into your presence, welcomed into the courts of the King. And it's because of who you've made us to be. It's because of who you said you say that we are, that we are your blood-washed saints. We are your blood-purchased and adopted sons and daughters, and you're not ashamed of us. So I thank you, God. I thank you that you are not ashamed of me, that you're not ashamed of any person in this room, that your, your love for everyone in this room is a never-ending, undying, reckless love. You went to the highest extent to rescue us so that we could have free access into your presence. For it is by one Spirit we have access to the Father, and it is by your blood we may approach your throne. So we thank you that it's not on and off but it's always on. So God, help us. Help us to see that the path has been cleared, that the way has been opened for us through the curtain, through your torn body on the cross, for us to always, daily, multiple times a day, go into your presence, even if it's just to say we love you, Lord, even if it's just to say thank you, God, even if it's just to say, Jesus, would you let your kingdom come into this circumstance here? Let this baby finish cooking inside of its mother and not be born prematurely. Let this one's grandson experience a miracle from your kingdom released into his little body. Let Roman be a testimony of the goodness of God. Let the places of brokenness in our lives be made whole and healed and let reconciliation take place. Lord, as we come into your secret place, into that place with you, would you show us just how good your mercy and grace is towards us and then let it pour back out of us towards those who we need to give it to. Let forgiveness flow out of our lives just as you've forgiven us. So we love you, Jesus. We thank you. And we just say, have our day. Have the rest of this day. And surprise us along the way. Show up in ways that will catch our attention, even if it's the homeless person at the gas station. In Jesus' name, amen.